Thank you for choosing to listen to the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. In a really amazing selection of other podcasts indicative of the recruitment market and the business market, for whatever reason you're listening now, we just want to say thank you for choosing us. We couldn't do this without our sponsor and our partners. We're going to talk about them a little bit later on in the show, but thank you to Pager, our sponsors, and our partners, Inclusion Crowd and Needy. And without further ado, let's jump in to get to know this week's guest. Joining me is this week's guest is Sarah Salisco, who actually sits in a very similar desk to mine in my day job. She's the head of people for 11 Investments and Recruiter Labs, and part of her job is actually recruiting recruiters. She's got over a decade of experience, and during this really interesting and possibly predictive um, podcast episode for you all, we talk about and we we um, contextualise where we're sat now in the recruitment market, what she thinks the future will look like in terms of opportunity. But for the main part, we discuss being an entrepreneur in the recruitment industry. If you're listening now and you're thinking in the future of setting up on your own, what does she believe the ideal traits are? What are the considerations if you're thinking of doing it? And how? what's the best way to go about doing it? Why do people fail? We don't often talk about failure in business, but we do talk about it and we cover it quite significantly. Where she feels the best advice is in terms of building a profitable business. And then the final question, you get to love this, is what her secret sources to scaling a successful business operation. So give her loads of support because this is actually Sarah's first ever recording on a podcast. And we hope it's the first of many because she was absolutely delightful. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. We are so proud at the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast to be sponsored by Pager. Pager helps recruiters to build personal brands, to identify new business opportunities, to attract those hard-to-find candidates, and to basically have better conversations. Now, you will have a large network that you want to build credibility with on LinkedIn, and sometimes posting content every day feels impossible. Now, that changes once you have Pager. Pager provides you with the ideas, the content, and the scheduling capability for to produce daily content to build out your own personal brand in minutes and for business development too. Pager identifies companies that are advertising jobs, have key hiring indicators such as funding rounds, mergers, acquisitions, or senior appointments, and then alerts you to this daily. Pager also enables you to write candidate-centric job adverts without bias in seconds. So once you advertise your job, Pager will then automatically create a branded post and publish it to LinkedIn without you even having to lift a finger. So when you want to actively source candidates, you can create complex Boolean strings in seconds. All you need to do is to provide the job title and location. Now, Pager is making thousands and thousands of recruiters smarter and faster. For more information, click on the link pager.co to book your demo. And remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when inquiring. Now, back to the episode. This is Leisha Holmes, and I'm your host on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. And I'm really excited for me to get to know 
this week's next guest, but also for you, our global community as well, because it's somebody that I think my business partner, Laura Dutton, knows quite well. But I'm really excited to get to know a little bit more about the, her prolific career in the recruitment industry. So this is Sarah Stolisco, and she's head of people at Eleven Investments and Recruiter Labs and joins us from a very nice looking office today. But I believe with a fan, as we record this in the summer of 2023, we're having a late splurt of summer. Welcome it is warm. <laughs> it is warm. Welcome to you today, Sarah. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Excited You're very welcome. And I'm also very excited because officially Sarah is popping her podcast cherry on our show, which makes me it's so proud. <laughs> well, first of many, I'm sure, because as soon as people see you on our community, they're going to be booking you on because there are so many amazing podcasts out there. And I do actually say that in, in one of the messages that we share in the podcast that, you know, I just feel so privileged that anyone even clicks to listen because there's such amazing, it's just a brilliant forum, isn't it? We were saying this offline that, you know, to learn about our industry, you can click on so many different shows now. So thank you yeah. for choosing us. So no I don't know much about you yet. Tell us a little bit about you, you, your journey, and then about the businesses that you are head of. Yeah, so I have been in recruitment probably about 13 years. Uh, fell into it like most people people we'll do. do. Um, yeah, came out of uni, debts, needed to make some money. And apparently there's a, a career you can make for yourself where you literally just spend all day talking to people, which was, was perfect <laughs> for me. So yeah, fell into tech recruitment, didn't do that for very long. Tech wasn't a market that I particularly resonated with, found myself in, in sales recruitment and subsequently three different recruitment businesses over the last 10 years. Um, yeah, very different from your sort of big corporate S3 to Salt, which was about 50 people when I joined, about 300 at, at sort of point where I left. And yeah, now 11, which was about 40 people when I joined. We're sitting at about 100 heads now across the group. Um, and One Eleven Investments is, is a discipline-specific group of recruitment companies. So Eleven Investments is the recruitment investment incubator. Um, your listeners, or, or you might know Joe, Charlie and Andy, who set up 3Search, which was their original business back in 2014, grew that fairly quickly, had a bit of a platform and also a desire to sort of help people to be able to build their own businesses because it's hard. It's really hard it to build your own thing. It's really hard to scale your own thing. It's incredibly, incredibly rare for someone to have all the skills they need and be a master of all those skills to be able to do that. So... Yeah, Joe Chaliani put their sort of success of, of being able to scale something down to being very different human beings with very different skill sets. And yeah, subsequently investing in people who are also very different and with very different skill sets to yeah, make a group of recruitment companies. So yeah, as of but, this week, which is the beginning of September, um, we are now seven businesses. Um, as I said, discipline focused. So marketing, sales, finance, consulting, real estate, property management. Um and yeah, all together in the same office in Soho, share clients, cross sell across the group, culture, all that sort of stuff is, is consistent across all of the businesses, um, which is great for people to join because you get the benefits of being part of a boutique specialist recruitment company, but then all the infrastructure of being a hundred person business with a head of training, a employer branding specialist, um, someone to do all your recruitment for you someone to basically run your ops so for people then that we invest in it's a really great plug and play um yeah we've, we've built our culture over time obviously we're, we're continuing to evolve as the, the market continues to evolve but yeah it, it's basically yeah 
come in. Right up, plug and play. Plug yeah, and play. That's your new strap line. Did you know that, guys? Uh, <laughs> no, I love that, and that's and I like that your journey. You know, right from falling into it, which all the best people do, by the way, um, <laughs> all the way through to where you are now. And and you're speaking to those who are the high performers who probably recognise within themselves that they've got what it takes to maybe go and run their own business, but maybe aren't sure. Like you say, of all the different facets that it's not just recruiting, it's all the other things, but you are there to incubate. And I think that's a really unique proposition to, yeah. to the market, clearly. I mean, you've obviously been in the, in the industry long enough to see that, you know, 2023, as, as we record this now, we're coming towards the end of it. And probably as you're listening now, we might have even just said goodbye to it. Um, <laughs> it has been a much more challenging year than maybe a lot of our listeners have ever experienced, you know, certainly if we think about the peaks of 2022 and even 2021 to an extent. So, but there's also been, I think, a lot of, I mean, I don't actually know what the stats are on, on the number of startups, but I know that there's, I can see a significant number of people that are starting up. So what what are you observing in terms of people actually going for it? Um, and then where, where do you see the prediction in terms of volume of, of people that are actually going to follow their dream and set up on their own? Yeah, definitely. It, it has been an increase this year. Um, and, you, and you kind of see this when markets are tougher. You saw it in 2020, you know, lots of people by circumstance, there weren't the right opportunities for them, not yeah. senior enough. Yeah. People working from home probably for the first time um, and we realised they could actually do it by themselves. Yeah. So, um, yeah, in, in a tougher market, you see more people give it give it a punt. You also see people you know, slightly more cautious to, to do it. But from what we've seen from both Eleven Investments, the investment conversations that we're having to be part of the group, but also with our sister business, Recruiter Labs, um, yeah, a, a real sharp increase in, in people looking to go out there and, uh, and do your own thing, ultimately. So, yeah, really positive in in terms of that. It, it has been a tough market, you know, some markets more than others. But, yeah, seeing lots of green shoots and especially over the last sort of two months or so, a real uptick in work in yeah, all, all of the markets that we cover. So really positive signs for, for what we go into in, in 2024. You're seeing a lot more businesses want to bolster both from a client perspective, but also from a recruitment internal perspective, um, bolster their teams and, and go into 2024 really strong with the right people in the right places. And it's about, I think, what well, if I'm listening to everything that you're saying there from a holistic point of view, it's about opportunity, isn't it? And I think that opportunity does, it's really cheesy, but it does favour the brave. And those who see that, you know, like you say, I love that you contextualised 2020. And the reason that more people just went for it is because they have nothing to lose. They were at home anyway. They probably felt that they were a bit isolated. Maybe they were using the time off furlough to think, do you know what, maybe I could just go and set up on my own. And I think that's what where you do tend to see some incredible brands, some of the most famous high street brands have set up in, in really challenging economic times because they've got that sense of fearlessness, possibly. Um, but I do think that, you know, we have gone through a very tumultuous period because it's been out of our control, the cost of living crisis, which has impacted everybody. Um, but I think recruitment generally as an industry, you've been in it long enough to see it, to, to corroborate what I'm saying here. We always go in cycles, right? And some markets work in different cycles too. So 2022, I, you'd love a delivery specialist, and and now you you really need to be able to win some work. Do you? I mean, that actually, I know that you maybe said that a bit sort of flippantly, but I think actually that's a really good thing that I want to just focus on there before we move on to the next point. In that, do you see us moving back into that 180 delivery need at any time soon? It's really hard to get it right. I, I guess I haven't been in businesses where we've had that sort of model, and and you see it in the US done in some situations really really well i i worked previously with a, a sort of a double act one did the bd one did delivery they split everything 50 50 and they worked absolutely in perfect harmony and it was great mm. um 
but sometimes you can lose that control over things. Um, so I've never been in an environment where it's been completely split. We might have people whose strengths are um, in business development, but we haven't worked in that sort of split favour. Um, but yeah, it, it was really that sort of change from coming out of COVID where people needed to be able to win work to straight away that not being the, the best thing because everyone was drowning in work and that transition of market was probably much quicker than anyone probably would have ever imagined I, th and then, I think that we all thought covid it would all fall off a cliff and it didn't yeah, and then yeah, actually the cliff the cliff happened in 2023 <laughs> yeah yeah and I, and I feel bad for the, the yeah. industry of people who have entered the industry in the last couple of years because it has been incredibly tough yeah, people joined in late 2021 early 2022 this is a completely different job to the one you signed up for and, and you will see a lot of fallout from that you know business development is hard this is probably one of the harder markets that I've seen for for, for winning work yeah. Um, and yeah, especially when it's coupled alongside such a great year, so buoyant, you couldn't, yeah, you couldn't move for falling over some jobs. So. It's true, and it's you know, it is. Most markets are saturated, or at the point where how do you stand out doing business development? How do you stand out? I'm, I'm interested just to say, I just want to go back on that um sort of perfect duo where you have this guy, this person doing the BD, and this person doing the. That's actually how I started my recruitment career. It's actually how I met my second husband. Uh, he was do, <laughs> he was doing the BD, and we, we were we were this perfect team. In all seriousness, we were this perfect team. But our harmony on a professional context was quite unique. And I think that the difficulty, in the, if you are thinking about this as a business owner, in, in terms of encouraging the 180 model, I think you should have both. I think you should always have three, six, room for 360 and room for 180. The risk you have, and actually this is going to kind of contradict my, going to be my next question to you about creating entrepreneurs, is that you then have two people who are basically running a business who might who that might then go, let's just go and do it ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Hi. Yeah. That's basically, the, that, I think that's the risk, isn't it? But then I guess that's always the risk for 360 that you've got all the intellectual yeah, property in your mind. And it's really. why I'm surprised more businesses don't do a, a similar thing to 11 Investments. I'm obviously glad that, that they don't. But yeah, ha have a platform. You know, Joe, Charlie and Andy and the, the founders of the individual businesses here all had appetite to do their own thing. It's quite a common thing in the industry. I think, yeah, most people at some point in their recruitment career will, will at least think about it. Oh, I've thought about it. Mm. Um, but yeah, as I mentioned earlier, it's incredibly rare to, to have all the right skills to be able to do it and that infrastructure um, to be able to, to make a real a real go of it. But yeah, there's lots of businesses now that can help you to do that. And yeah, we don't want it to be off the cards for the people that work for the 11 investments businesses. You know, if people mm. want to do that, let's support them in the best way that, that we can. One of our more recent businesses, Tarka, um, was a guy who previously worked for 3Search. So yeah, he right. had the best of both worlds. He obviously had all his yeah. clients, his you know, desk, his uh, resourcer, all that sort of good stuff. And yeah, right. built a brand around him. And now that's a business of about 16 people. You can wow. that's fantastic. Years. So, so pr yeah. proof's in the pudding, isn't it? So focusing on that then, do you think that there are specific traits that a, a future entrepreneur should have or must have in order to be successful as a recruitment business owner? Yeah, I think the, the, the natural stuff that makes you a successful recruiter, right? That that discipline, that consistency to to do the job. Um, you you haven't got the comfort blanket of a of a salary to to keep you going. So you have to be able to to work hard. And what we've seen from people, both independently through recruiter labs and obviously here, is they they tend to bill more than they did when they were employed for you know all, all kinds of reasons. But you know, why it's, why it's, do you think that is? Because actually, a lot of people might go, really, I would bill more, but doing it for myself. So how why do you think that is? 
yeah it, it's yours you're doing it in your your own way you care you're building it if you don't if you don't make any money you, you don't have any money yeah so there's a real need to make it a success and like obviously there's there's part of that in a building a recruitment desk but yeah you have got that security mm. um so yeah we, we've noticed most i think it's around 85 percent of our recruiter labs customers actually feel more than they did when when they were employed i love that start that is absolutely phenomenal maybe it's the risk versus reward i think if you like you've said they've let's put ourselves in the psychology if you're listening now and you're thinking about doing it you have to think i'm not going to earn any money if i'm not making fees and it's not about suddenly selling your granny down the road or doing things <laughs> no. unethically and um, i like that you, the first word out your mouth is one that doesn't get talked about enough and that's discipline we all talk about motivation we all talk about sales and we all, yeah. <laughs> discipline and consistency, I think, are the two most important traits of a of a good recruiter and a good business owner. Absolutely, we can all show up on days when we're incredibly motivated. You know, the first of January, we can yeah jump out of the blocks, but mm. day in day out, the job is hard. You're you're dealing with people, um, lots of people, in lots of different ways, and yeah, yeah, if you aren't disciplined and, and yeah showing up on the bad days, then ultimately a recruitment desk or a recruitment business won't won't be successful. And, and that work ethic, right? The, the best recruiters. I've known over the years are, are very, very different human beings, but they work really, really hard. And yeah, that's not an accident if, that they don't build No, well. of course, I agree. If somebody's got all of those traits, but it hasn't worked out, have you ever seen any situation where, for whatever reason, it just has failed? Because we we do need to talk about failure more. Why, why, what are the key things that make a business fail? I think people need to ask for help. You haven't set up a business before. It's your first time doing it. There's loads of stuff you're going to be exposed to that you won't have been exposed to as an employee. There's loads of stuff that's going to take up your time. Um, you'll spend lots of time. I think that the stat is something like a day a week doing stuff that isn't recruitment yeah. revenue generating. Um, and ultimately, it's really easy to get bogged down in that and you know think you can knock up a website or loads of brochures and your, your terms of business. And ultimately, it probably would just be better to, to outsource for those stuff who could mm. do it really quickly, pay a little bit of money, and then you're, you're spending that time doing something that's going to generate revenue for your business. So. Mm. What, what's really different from the sort of recruitment entrepreneur community versus sort of the recruitment industry in general, and I, and I think this has changed over over years. But people are happy to help if you ask questions, ask your network. You know, people you know want want you to succeed generally. And um, there's loads of recruitment business owners that will be happy to give you some advice for free um, and ask people's opinions. Um, so yeah, having good people around you, whether that's a a business partner with that's you know a, a great accountant um but yeah what, what we've seen also is is people try to do too much or have too much stuff i speak to lots mm. of people who who think they need all of this tech to be able to do their job because they've had it when they're employed and oh there's nothing worse than selling to a salesperson we're like magpies aren't we <laughs> yeah. How many, how many subscriptions have I got? And every now and again, I'm like, what have I subscribed to? <laughs> I agree with you. Oh, that is absolutely on the money that collaboration is one of the best things that came out of COVID from a recruitment industry point of yeah, view. I agree with you. It made me go goosebumpy when you said it because I was like, you're right. But it used to be that you were, everybody was a bit guarded. And now it's like it, competitors helping competitors out because actually yeah. it is for the good of everybody it's for the good of the yeah, industry absolutely. and yeah people help I'll ask for it I ask for that. people's advice and yeah but, if, you're, if you're doing it completely alone have a have a coach have a mentor have someone who's you, you can pick their brains so uh, a big part of the recruiter labs work that we do is, is bringing all of those people together they're 
up and down the country, all doing it for various different reasons to scale, to yeah, just live a you know more flexible life, make more money, all that sort of stuff. But it can be incredibly isolating. So we do regular think tanks, we have regular socials, we get them all together at Christmas. So you have all those things that you, you kind of miss from from being employed, but you know, but- well, that and that's it, and that's why operatives like you, you know, that's why they're hugely attractive. But I think, you know, just to pick back up on your point of the other reason that businesses tend to fail is that we tend to, as recruiters generally by nature, we are doers, we are proactive, we don't sit and wait for things to happen. And I think that we also have a tendency to not be the best delegators. You know, I want to be in control. We're control freaks. We are, right? (laughs) Well, it is, but that's actually what makes us really good. We're paranoid as hell and we're control freaks. So, but if you're not, then (laughs) it's true. I mean, we're all very, I mean, me, Laura and Shannon are just like the most paranoid queens on the planet. So, but I think that that the flip side to that is that as a business owner, you know, is the best use of your time, you know, populating a database, like you say, designing a website and um, doing credit control, whatever it might, chasing late page, whatever it might be. Absolutely. That yeah. you, you can't be everything to everybody. And sometimes it's nice to separate those relationships. You don't want to be the front end salesperson, you know, chasing your, your invoices. So, yeah, if, if you can outsource stuff in a position to do that, then, yeah, focus on stuff that's that's going to make you money and, and build your business, especially if you're if you're looking to scale, setting up well and having the right tools, not every single tool or every single job board that's going to eat into your profit. But, yeah, set yourself up well with all the right things you need to be able to scale over time. I might call this podcast "Don't Be a Magpie." Um, so, what are the key factors that if we're if somebody's listening now, whether it's now or in the future, you're going to press the button on this? What are the key things they should do before taking steps to set up on their own? Have a plan. I think it's really easy, and that might sound very obvious, but it's really easy when you're starting out to need to make some money and scrap around and try and do everything. But your time is really, really limited um, anyway. So, yeah, build a really clear plan, like. What, what does it look like what does your market look like what are you going after who do you know what is your network have a really clear bd strategy you've obviously done that when you're employed it, it, it's more important than ever to really look at the people that are going to help you to be able to to build your business get a great accountant or someone that's going to help you to to run your finances um and and scale a profitable business that there's no point growing really quickly because you think that's the right thing to do and yeah planning all these extra heads make sure you can afford these people you know the headcount and really fast growth is, is literally a vanity metric if you're not running a profitable business so have a really clear financial plan but be conservative you know if you're a 400k a year villa i wouldn't assume that you're going to be able to do that straight away in your first 12 months when you've got all your restrictions and things like that so yeah be conservative make a good plan, yeah, look at how you're going to to, to, to live your life because you haven't got that security. Absolutely. Make sure you're in a decent place with a decent run rate for, for three months and sell some retainers. <laughs> well, all, all of those things, my God, but I just I do just want to pick up on the most important point that I think, I mean, you made loads of really important points, by the way, not least about honouring your structured covenants, about having cash in the bank. Not worth it. Not worth it. The profit metric is, to me, I see these businesses that seem to have this vanity expedition of, oh, we've grown to this many heads. And then you fact you go and have a look on company house because it's public information and their EBITDA is like, you're like that, what? What are you yeah. doing? So I think I think but I th- that comes down to the why of why you're doing it, doesn't yeah. it? Because if you are looking to scale really quickly, then maybe that doesn't matter to you. But yeah, it depends on, on, on how you're growing those businesses. But yeah, I, I promise you no one will care how quickly you've scaled or how many people you've got if you're yeah having to let people go and you can't pay their salaries. Uh, house, house, of car, house of cards, I think they call it. Well, that leads very yeah. nicely to my last question, which is 
is there a secret sauce to scaling successfully? It's really hard. Well, I guess I'm going to take this from an angle of what most of my day job is, which is hiring recruiters. As you know, um, it, that is really, really hard. And it, it's all around that people, right? You need the right people around you from an sort of advisory point of view, from a business partner point of view, but also from the people you hire. The first people you hire into business that are absolutely crucial. And how, how we've done what we've done, which is, you know, build a business to, to 100 heads across lots of different sectors is focus on how we get great people, obviously, but also how we get them to hang around. There is no point in attracting people to work for your business if you haven't got an environment that people don't want to stay a part of. So yep. that focus on retention over acquisition, um, if you are you know, wanting to build something to scale, I think a, a positive over the last few years and maybe outside of recruitment, the sort of internal talent market is a bit challenging at the moment. It, it is. Um, but in, in terms of recruitment firms, I think the way we perceive internal recruitment teams has really, really changed for, for the better. I think people are investing a lot more. I think lots more people and, and, and talent teams recruit um, report straight into founders and, and directors and you know, people that are you know, changing the business, right? And if you're out there all day, every day, talking to your competitors and, and the market, having that, that direct report into someone who runs a business is, is really, really important. Um, but yeah, outsource what you're not good at, work with great people, invest in your internal teams or your rectorate partners and yeah, find the right people who align with what you're trying to do. And there's loads of great villas out there um, that would not like to work in, in the environment of, of 11 investments. And you know, probably wouldn't like That's to have them here. And it's That's really true. Say true. Yeah, yeah, we know what we true. want. We know what we're looking for, and yeah, find people that, that fit with with what you want to do and how you're going to build it. Definitely, and shout that bit louder about embarking with a good rhetoric always. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, there's it's a really, reason. Really there's a reason there's so job. many of us. It's a very bloody hard job. Say that louder, Sarah. It's a. Re- any, I always <laughs> dare anyone that thinks it's easy because you think I'm thinking of doing that. Do I'm like, okay, go and do yeah, it for a week. Work in different industries, and like I'm going to set up a rectorate business. And like, I think there's a market for to, to, to do it well, and like there's lots of people that do it really well, and it's incredibly hard if you don't know anyone. And we all uh, absolutely, and you can exhaust your initial contacts, and then you're like, what do I do now? Yeah, it's, it's good it's luck, hard. guys. <laughs> oh, I'm really pleased that you covered that off. You have been fantastic. Let me ask you before we finish, how was your first podcast recording? Right. I felt really comfortable. I wasn't as nervous as I thought I would be. That's a, well, you're an absolute natural. And I'm telling you now, whoever's listening, if you run a podcast, you need to get Sarah on because I thought you were absolutely, you were just natural. You just chatted away and you're really knowledgeable. And this, for me, there are so many different other episodes we could have off this one because you are so knowledgeable and you've got, I think, a very sort of a, a holistic and objective viewpoint of the market, like I do as a rector ec. You've got so many, um, so many anecdotes you can probably talk to people about. But you were very honest, and that's what I liked about it. It was a very pragmatic view. Well, let's hope as we head into 2024, it's a year of abundance and it's a year of opportunity. And all the external, all the external factors, nobody's got any control over. Just control your own controllables, guys. That's all we can can say to you. And thank you so much for joining us on The Recruiters. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You've been brilliant. Thank you. The Recruiters Recruitment Podcast is thrilled to be partnering with Inclusion Crowd. Inclusion Crowd put the D into diversity, but do it disruptively. We love that. Really reflecting what we're about. I was introduced to Inclusion Crowd back in 2020, and I've been absolutely blown away with what they're doing to totally transform the recruitment and hiring sector. They believe at Inclusion Crowd 
that companies should be reflective of society. And that no matter who you are listening now, you have a story to tell. You have a contribution to make. An inclusion crowd educates you in allowing your voice to come out and share that story, but doing it in a way that educates your colleagues and your customers equally. Inclusion Crowd, like the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast, has clients all over the world and they specialise in our industry. What we all want to do together is to maintain best practice and to raise industry standards to enable us to attract and retain the best talent, but doing so inclusively and with true diversity. By doing this, by accomplishing a true EDI policy within your business, you will also retain the top talent as well as attract new talent, which is a win-win for everybody listening, making more profitable business and a much better industry, highly regarded. Inclusion Crowd are also the official awarding body for the Inclusion and Diversity Certification Mark within recruitment. We are so proud to be assisting and partnering Inclusion Crowd. If you want to know more information, please click on the link in this episode and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when you do so. Now, back to the episode. We are so proud to be partners of Needy, the gifting revolution. Here at Key Recruitment, we absolutely love to send out bespoke gifts to our new place candidates to welcome them in their new jobs, but also as an extra special thank you to clients or when a team is celebrating something really special. But to be honest, we were really fed up with dull or mediocre gifts that you could just buy on the high street that didn't really reflect who we are at Key Recruitment as a business. This is why we chose Needy. Needy source sustainably from the UK's best independent businesses, offering the most perfect array of bespoke gifts and experiences too. So no more boring bottles of plonk or rubbish boxes of chocolates. This is how you make your customers day with a gift that really matters and shows that you really want to do something special for them. For more information on how psychology and AI forming to make the best gift experience for you, click on the link and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when ordering. Now, back to the episode. <laughs> 